Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and on the broadcast today, I'll conclude my discussion about Halloween from a biblical worldview with my guest, Eric Barger. Stick around for that and reach out to me at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Love to have you share your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns, whatever it may be about the broadcast. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, so it's theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for the Plumline Radio Ministry is provided by Lori Hammer, functional nutritional therapy practitioner and neuronutrition expert. Lori specializes in brain balancing and hormone health. Whether you're struggling with anxiety, depression, brain injury, or hormone disruption, Lori is the practitioner for you. She sees a wide variety of clients throughout the world, virtually or in person. You can find more information about Lori at lorihammer.com. That's L-A-U-R-I-E hammer.com. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at IntegrityCounselingGroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm joined by Eric Barger of Take a Stand Ministries. We're going to continue discussing Halloween from a biblical worldview. If you missed the first part of the broadcast here in our series, you can check it out at places where you go for podcasts. Just go to Spotify and put in The Plum Line with Jay Rudolph. And you'll be able to look up the broadcast on Halloween with Eric Barger and listen to them there. Well, Eric, welcome back to the broadcast. Yeah, it's great, Jay. Thank you for having me. And we want to continue our discussion here. We've gotten into a little bit of the history and some of the reasons why, if you are really going to seek to live for Jesus Christ and to honor him in everything that you believe and express, then Halloween is something that you should not celebrate, especially in the ways that the world celebrates. We talked a little bit about you know, if it's a harvest party or something like that that the church does, that's considerably different. That's certainly not celebrating or honoring what Halloween is about or represents. But I want to talk here about Deuteronomy chapter 18 because you brought that up. I didn't have time to get into it in the first part. And so Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, God has these nine things we're to stay away from. And I'll preface this by asking the question that I'm sure you get asked a lot, and that is, isn't this in the Old Testament? You know, why would we still follow this when it's an Old Testament thing? I'm sure you've heard that before, right? 
<laughs> it's it's common question, and I, I get that. I understand that. You know, we wouldn't have the New Testament without the Old, and nowhere does it say that we are to throw the Old Testament away or tape those pages together and never read them again. Always read them in the light of the New Testament. The New Testament has got to be our decipher our barometer. And there's lots of great types and shadows in the Old Testament that come alive when you see it like that. But Deuteronomy 18, you can't find anything in Scripture that says that this admonition that God has given has gone away. Uh, We should read this and understand these are practices that are forbidden before God. In fact, I just completed a new DVD about this, 71 minutes long, about the nine forbidden practices of the occult. It's in our bookstore at ericbarger.com, and you can watch, I think it's an 11-minute trailer we've got for it. It talks about coming into the land where the pagan nations have been involved, and it says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire. That's forbidden practice number one, and that's human sacrifice. Or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch. There are four more of the forbidden practices. Or a chanter, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. And there are the last four forbidden practices. And it says, for all that do these things, practices are bad enough, but those who do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations... The Lord thy God doth drive them, the pagan nations, out before thee. Now, I always point this out when I'm teaching on this passage. That word abomination appears three times. The Hebrew word is toabah, and it appears three times. It means a disgusting thing, unclean, wickedness, abomination. That's really what it means. This is the strongest condemnatory language used anywhere in the entire Bible out of the mouth of God. God has not changed his mind about these nine forbidden practices. And as you see, as you read through them, they entail things that have to do with witchcraft and sorcery and paganism. That's pretty much what it's all about. And so it's something we should avoid, not something we should glorify, lift up, and have a party around. Yeah, which leads right into what I wanted to ask you is how do these things then connect to Halloween? Well, it's, uh, these are the practices that we find on tap on Halloween. When you look at trick-or-treating, for example, it's a celebration of the completion of the harvest. That's what it was all about. And the Celts, they demanded that everybody give them a certain percentage or an amount of the bounty from the harvest. It was basically a campaign, you know, you're going to give it to us or else, that kind of thing. And the trick would be, If you didn't give us the things we want from your harvest, we're going to kill your uh, cattle. We're going to mutilate your family. We're going to harm you in some way. You're going to burn your house down. These are the kind of uh, things that the trick came from. Now, why would we want to be involved in a practice like, I mean, wouldn't it be better just to, if you're going to give your kids candy, that you go to the store with them and they buy it rather than receive it from strangers? When we tell them, don't receive any food or candy from a stranger except Halloween night. It doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you also mentioned, you know, the connections of trick-or-treating here in that at one point, people were afraid of spirits doing harm to their homes, so they'd leave these treats outside their homes to keep these evil spirits it's happy, apparently. And so, yeah, there's just yeah, so and, many connections like that. Yeah, don't, don't we realize as Christians that greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world? And so this is from an ancient tradition, a pagan practice. And again, if the Druids thought it up, it's going to be evil. That's just that simple. 
You say, well, the Druids take a bad rap for everything. Well, they, they deserved it. The stuff that they did, the way that they would pick out who they're going to sacrifice, not what, but which person is going to be sacrificed, and the way they did it, frankly, it's on par with stuff that we hear about Hamas doing. Hmm, yeah, which is just not even something we want to think about, especially with all going on in our world right now today. So, well, let's talk about exactly. some of these other things that are typically related anyway to Halloween, witches, witchcraft comes up uh, right away. And I was just kind of reading in your little brochure here that when you and your co-author, David Benoit, of this, this piece here, we were growing up, you were told that witches were make-believe. And I imagine I probably was too, I don't really remember, but that's not accurate. It's a witches and witchcraft are, are real and evil and demonic. Yeah, it's very much real. And even though we didn't see or know anyone when we were young or our parents didn't who were involved in witchcraft, it was out there then. That's a pretty secretive thing. They don't take out ads in a newspaper, come join our, our coven. It isn't like that. But uh, understand that if you talk to people who are into paganism, and there's all sorts of, of paganism, it's a gener- generic cover term. So if you talk to people who are into it, if they're honest with you and not trying to put on a good front for the world, they'll tell you that it is a day that all kinds of different ritual type sacrifices and so on go on. And it is the day when more death is attributed from this kind of thing than any other day of the year. I mean, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one thing we brought up in the first part is just this whole calling up spirits and someone, you know, seeking to call up a deceased loved one. And we saw this happen in the scriptures with King Saul. I mentioned that we'd hopefully be have time to talk about that more. So let's do that here in, in part number two. And that's an example, I guess, where we see, you know, if you read that account in the scriptures, we can see pretty clearly why it's not something that you would want to do. You're calling upon demonic spirits, really. Yeah, that's it. And I mentioned it without actually naming Saul, but I mentioned it in the first program that whether that was actually the spirit of Samuel or not is of great debate in theological circles. And Saul went to the witch at Endor and wanted to get Samuel's approval or understanding of the situation. Well, because he tried or attempted necromancy, uh, it wasn't just the necromancy, but even the attempt of it, the attempt of contacting the dead. Saul died the next day. The judgment was very swift and very obvious, and that should be something every one of us should take note of. We were witnessing one time at a county fair with some friends of ours in church way back. This is 30-plus years ago. And uh, we had one gal who was very bold, and she walked up to the fortune-telling tent and uh, stood aside and waited for the fortune teller to get done with whoever she was trying to tell the fortune of, and uh, walked in and said, let me tell you your fortune. And the fortune teller was taken aback by that. And our friend Rhonda said, your fortune is, unless you get right and stop doing this and come to know Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. And that was probably the truest fortune ever told at that place (laughs) that day. You know, so these people do these things and we get mystified. I mean, when we see that our astrology chart just says one little thing that we can relate to, suddenly it must all be true. No, it's not. It's not. Satan's a great guesser. But Satan does not know the future. Only God Almighty knows the future. No human knows the future. Satan doesn't know the future. And understand that. And when you see that, then a lot of the practices 
of the world of the occult kind of go by the side. Yeah, right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and take a break here. We've got a lot more that I want to cover and other things that are just floating through my mind here that I want to bring up. And we'll do that with my guest, Eric Barger. When the plumb line continues, I want to invite you to reach out and share your thoughts, comments about the broadcast at this email, theplumblineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B. Don't forget to be at the end of the word plum, theplumblineradio at gmail.com. And as you hear from the businesses that support the plumb line, I hope that you will support them. Let them know that you appreciate their support for this radio ministry so that it can continue to be on the air in your area. Stay tuned for more. The plumb line is a listener-supported radio ministry, and without your support, it would not exist. You can reach out to me to learn how to support by emailing theplumblineradio at gmail.com. Now, I've partnered with like-minded ministries to grow God's kingdom and spread His gospel, and Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. They've partnered with The Plum Line to help me grow the show into various markets across the country. They offer all the latest payment technology for all types of businesses. Churches, ministries, and schools are typically 50% less than PayPal and most other merchant service providers. They also work with for-profit businesses, and they average 2%, including everything. When you sign up with Proverbs Payments, they tithe an ongoing percentage of profits made to The Plum Line in order to help spread the gospel of Jesus via radio. So I'm greatly thankful for those who convert to Proverbs Payments for their business or ministry's credit card processing. You can reach them at ProverbsPayments.com or call them at 480-529-1414. 480-529-1414. And let them know you heard about them on The Plum Line. When it comes to education for your student, Northwest Christian School believes that trusted truth transforms. With that in mind, they developed their fully online Christian school, NCS Online, for your kindergarten through ninth grade student. NCS Online curriculum has been developed in-house by experienced Christian educators and is infused with a biblical worldview. NCS Online provides a rigorous, affordable, customizable online education in an established Christian community and culture. Visit ncsonline.org to learn more or contact their admissions team at 602-978-5134. Thanks for tuning in to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast, my guest is Eric Barger, and we are talking about a timely topic here of Halloween from a biblical worldview. And we've tackled some scripture out of Deuteronomy chapter 18, but uh, as you mentioned, Eric, those forbidden, abominable practices there listed in Deuteronomy chapter 18, there isn't anything in the New Testament that would say, okay, these are all fine things to to do now, and you know, you can disregard that because that's in the Old Testament. We we talked about that a little bit, but I, I wanted you to have kind of reference the fact that, that indeed, not only these practices, but the things that are celebrated on Halloween are really condemned throughout the scriptures, not just Deuteronomy 18 that we referred to, but these are things that if we we really want to grow in Christ if we want to be sanctified, that participating in the darkness that is Halloween is not something that we really want to be doing. Yeah, and it isn't that we want to act like it doesn't exist. 
I think we can talk about these things and express why we don't do these things. A lot of reasons that parents allow their their kids to do a number of things, Halloween-related or not, uh, is because they don't want their kids to feel like that they're weird somehow or odd because they don't get involved. But we are a peculiar people, the Scripture says, and uh, we're set apart. We've been set apart because of the sacrifice of Christ and what he did for us at the cross. And uh, we don't want to do anything to besmirch what he's done for us. In fact, Ephesians chapter 5 makes it pretty clear, and the Apostle Paul makes this clear in more than one place. But he says here in, in verse 10, Ephesians five ten says, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. That's the most important thing. But verse 11 says, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. That's the word that King James uses. That word reprove relates to exposing or denying publicly those things. In Acts chapter 19, we see that the believers at Ephesus, and that, that was one of Paul's stronger churches, but the believers at Ephesus got convicted about what they'd heard Paul and others talk about. And uh, they brought together their occult scrolls. That's what that means in Deuteronomy chapter 19. And they burned them and counted the, the cost publicly, and it came to 50,000 drachma, I think is the, I'm doing this without having the verse open. But that's equivalent to a lot of money today. So if we have these things in our homes, if we have things that give glory to any deity except God Almighty, let's be thinking twice about it. You know, when we give homage to a black cat or, uh, you know, we carry a rabbit's foot around and we think somehow that's going to help us, it wasn't very lucky for the rabbit. We had to start there, <laughs> you know. So when we think about we have these things, these things we do or these these traditions we hold on to, first and foremost, let God convict our hearts about these practices and about these ideas, about our mindset. When we come to that realization at some point in time, I'm not going to be a legalist and tell you you've got to go home and get rid of all that stuff today, whatever that stuff might be for you. But I think as God convicts you, don't put him aside. Don't act like it doesn't mean anything. Don't act like it's it's not important. He's trying to tell you to be free or free yourself from, from practices, ideas, and mindsets that are a detriment to your walk. He wants you to walk closer to him and further on and be more spiritually powerful and expressive. He doesn't want you to hold on to things that are going to do nothing but drag you backwards. And so mm. I, that's my admonition to everybody. If God is talking to your heart about any of the stuff that we're talking about today and this bothers you, well, consider why it bothers you. A lot of people just get mad. And I understand that from the view of the way the world thinks. But as Christians, Jay, you and I, as God convicts us, the only way we move on in our walk with Him is by giving in to His Holy Spirit and doing what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can just hear someone saying, and just following off what you just shared, that, well, that may be your personal conviction to not, you know, celebrate Halloween, but I think it's just fine. And and again, we say what you just said, basically. Sit down and, and read those verses in Deuteronomy 18. Ask God, ask the Holy Spirit to inform you and reveal to you, you know, is this really applicable? Is this really true still? And certainly it is, but, uh, you know, you need to find that answer. You need to ask the Holy Spirit that. And so, yeah. yeah, just share with us a little bit about how do we handle that? If we are convicted and we feel like Halloween is something that we don't want our family to celebrate, but we a lot of times will take a lot of razzing from the world, certainly about that. So how do we handle that? I'd rather take some razzing from the world 
than not experience the blessings that God has for me. Who knows how many blessings he has for us if we'll just surrender to him. I mean, I'm talking fully surrender. Let me give you another scripture that will help people to be able to make those decisions. Second Corinthians chapter 6, very famous passage. Uh, you can read 14 through 18 there, Second Corinthians 6. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, stay with me. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now, we're the righteous of God. I don't feel like I'm righteous, but I know positionally in Jesus Christ, I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus. He died for me, and I bear his righteousness. Uh, It's not because I'm so righteous, and it's not because I'm perfect. So what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Belial? Now, that got the, the Corinthians' attention when Paul put that on that scale, Christ with Belial, because Christ is the picture of beauty and truth, and Belial was the most evil of the Philistine gods. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we want to walk or even allow our children and and advocate that our children should walk in the ways of Belial or walk in the ways of unrighteousness or darkness? No. No parent would probably say, well, I hope no parent would say that. There's probably somebody out there who may be involved in witchcraft or the occult or paganism who might think differently. But no, we as Christians, we want to walk uprightly. We want God's blessing on our home. Uh, let's be let's be doing that in all things, not just when it comes to uh, what we feel like doing, but in everything, including the traditions we may have built around the the uh, the celebration of Halloween. Mm, right. Well, finally here, let's talk about what we can do, you know, proactive or positively, I guess would be the better word to say here in just, you know, what we are pretty much all going to encounter people who are celebrating Halloween, who, you know, are taking their kids trick or treating. We'll meet many of them at our doorstep for most of us. I was telling you before we started recording that where I live, there's not going to be anybody coming trick or treating. I'm <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere. So, but um, anyway, most of us will encounter trick treaters. And so what should we do as followers of Jesus Christ? How can we turn this into a gospel opportunity? Maybe the thing we shouldn't do, uh, you know, it's just like when, when we're witnessing the people who are involved in the known cults, if we see them coming up our walkway to our door, do we open the door and, and nearly curse at them and slam the door in their face? No. I wouldn't encourage people to open the door and invite them in unless you know what to do and what to say. Uh, You've got to have some education about what the cults will say to us. Well, the same is true with trick-or-treating. The little kids that come to the door, they're just interested in the candy. Sadly, some of the uh, parents are interested in what the kids get in their candy bag, too. But that's (laughs) another story. The thing is, you don't want to necessarily start this at the door. By dropping my little booklet on Halloween into their bag, along with a candy bar or whatever. That's, I think, very acceptable. They may not like it, but your name isn't on it. My name is on it, and I can take the heat. And so if somebody comes back at me for producing such a booklet, we're just trying to alert people as to what the truth is. But sometimes the truth is very hard to handle, very hard to swallow when you have built a tradition around it. And you have, like I've said now a couple of times, this nostalgic feeling about what Halloween was like when you were a kid. Personally, if I had little children today, knowing what I know, I would never take them door to door, considering that's something I tell them not to do the rest of the year. 
that seems to me like it's hypocritical to do that. And uh, we're not being protected as we do that. We we are doing this of our own accord, but not under uh, the auspices of doing it for God. Uh, that's the, that's the whole thing. Halloween is everything in the antithesis of God, and no redeeming characteristics are are going to be found. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say uh, take Eric's advice, friend in the listening audience, and reach out and share one of those gospel booklets. You can obtain those freely. You can print it freely from the website, ericbarger.com. Again, it's E-R-I-C-B-E-R-B-A-R-G-E-R.com, and I'd encourage you to do that. So thank you so much for your time here. Eric, I don't know if you have any final uh, word of wisdom here as we wrap up our discussion about Halloween. Well, just I think I've already given it, but I, I think it's important that we have good facts and understanding. We can't make good decisions without having the facts. And uh, that's why in a broadcast like this or this little book or, or in my my larger book, Entertaining Spirits Unaware, which deals with some of this stuff, that deals with a lot of this and a lot more, that was put together. Anything like that in our ministry, we put it together not to prove how much we know, but to help people so they can make better decisions in the day we live in today. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you being uh, with me again, Eric. Uh, It's my pleasure, Jay. Good to talk to you. Eric Barger, Take a Stand Ministries is the uh, name of the ministry and the website again, ericbarger.com. I encourage you to go there and check out all the great resources and the wisdom that God has given to Eric that he shares uh, there at the website. Thank you so much for tuning into the Plumb Line. And we'll have another edition, Lord willing, coming your way soon. So I encourage you to tune in for each and every broadcast. And you can find them at places where you go for podcasts as well. Just put it in the plumb line with Jay Rudolph. Reach out to me, share your thoughts, comments, questions anytime at this email, theplumbliradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plumb Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com.